You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by another podcast hosted by Ryan Mead. It's called Instalock NYXL. What's that, you ask? I'll tell you, baby bird. It is a podcast about the Overwatch League and specifically the team, the New York Excelsior, who just won the Stage 3 Championships. So if you want to come over and hear Ryan and some of my friends talk about the really nerdy shit in Overwatch League, you can go subscribe to Instalock NYXL today. Otherwise, this podcast is brought to you as always, by our Patreon subscribers who we could not do without, and the t-shirts we sent to them this week by EmpiricalDesigns.net and Nick over there. If you need any marketing, branding, or art style designs, you can go to Nick at EmpiricalDesigns.net. And as always, the Blue Breakaway is here every Tuesday morning. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Here we go. Hey, Busher Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Busher Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, lick me. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, uh, can, is that the weirdest NHL story in, like, the last five years? I think it's the weirdest Greg got drunk at a wedding and started doing something story in the last five years. Well, you were influenced. You've become part I of was. the Marchand cult. Well, I was hanging out with our buddy Mike the entire weekend, and he's a big Bruin fan. So all I was hearing was Marshan, Marshan, Marshan. And I was like, oh, I heard that name enough. I'm going to just start licking people. Well, so yeah, you were unconscious when you started licking people. And so, I mean, that's. The, uh, I, I wasn't. I mean, I was definitely licking people more when uh, I was in a state of mind that I have no recollection of being in. But uh, the licking started fairly, fairly early. I, I would say around Kentucky Derby time, tongues started going on face. <laughs> <laughs> Tongues are on faces. Great Kaplan story. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just, feeling, to get, just to get back to that for a minute, I know Marchand like posted on Twitter. He was like, this story is not true and false. But then all of a sudden, like his coach is telling him stop licking people. Everyone's telling Marchand to stop licking people. I mean, it's weird, man. Like there's 
as as an experienced face licker, it's weird. It's weird. It's definitely yeah. weird. I've licked a face true in my day. I've had my face licked actually the first mm. week of college. That's a weird story. Um, yeah, no, it was not fun. And uh, I just don't understand how he gets away with it. You can't keep getting away with it, but he it, will. It is just there's the one game of him biting about. biting an arm, just like biting. It is. Ref. It is funny though that Sean Avery one time turns his back to the ice to. Ooga booga booga Martin Brodeur, and the next day there's a rule called the Sean Avery rule that doesn't allow players to do that. And yet it took Brad Marchand to lick two people in the playoffs, two weeks apart from each other, before someone was like, you might want to stop doing that. And do you think that's a competitive advantage? For me, that's like you're you're really edging the rules. So Avery saw saw a deficiency in the goalie rules, took advantage of it. Marchand said, I don't have no shame. I'm gonna take advantage yeah. of licking faces. I mean, Marchand was definitely playing the the mental mind game a little bit more than Avery was. Like, Avery was doing a physical – I mean, they're both physical acts if you really get down to the nitty-gritty. Um, I don't know. I, do you, do I think Ryan Callahan was phased one second by the fact that he got licked by Brad Marchand? I don't. I am I am stunned that Ryan Callahan didn't just lick him right back. I think that would have been, that would have been my move. Yeah, I think you got to turn and stick your tongue out. And it's like, what? Who's Who now? Let's play some chicken. Or, like, lean into it, dude. Just make out with him yeah, on the ice. Yeah, just lean deep into it. Deep kiss each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. Get, get get real in there. First like, of all. Maybe stick a finger first, up the butt while we're in it. First of all, let's stick to sports. Second. <laughs> <laughs> Second, we're, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're sex positive podcast. Okay. Just... Well, this is, this is sticking to sports now. Uh, apparently, sex has become part of sports. And I think... Ryan Callahan did himself an injustice by not getting the second base with Brad Marchand. I think you're dropping the confetti too early, a la Philly. I don't. I, I think, look, shoot or shoot, man. <laughs> All right, let's get to this week's topics. There are none. Okay, that was talking to Rangers. But for real, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have defeated the Boston Bruins. And there's a great stat that was put up from this weekend that I will read right now. Uh, the most playoff game since 2012. Tell me if you see a trend here, and I know you've seen this picture. Mm. Carl Hagelin, 120 games. Brian Boyle, 106. Ryan McDonough, 101. Dan Girardi, 100. Anton Strawman, 97. Mm. Any want to play a guessing game there? Who, what, is that, what do those have in common? Former Ranger greats. Oh, wow. To be fair, though, to be fair, though, um, Boyle, Strawman have done a lot of recent heavy lifting away from the Rangers. Hagelin, too. Those are guys that have played long playoff series after their Ranger tenures. In Boyle's case, he went to a cup. Haglin has won a couple cups. Oh, like these are guys that have these are guys have done heavy lifting without the Rangers. McDonough and Girardi, I, that's almost all Rangers, with the exception of ten games this year. Well, Girardi playing the whole season, but yes, and Girardi. Uh, yeah, but let, let, we're talking we're talking playoffs here, buddy. We are. You're right. My bad. Let's let's uh let's actually get into Girardi scoring a game winner. Can you believe that? If I would have told you, I, did we call that on this podcast? I feel like we did. I think there, I was, mean, there was some point. Where, there's definitely not that anyone should go back and find this audio, but I believe no. it exists. That where where we said Girardi's going to go on that team, he's going to score a game winner in the playoffs. Here's the whole thing with Girardi, and this is the narrative that bugged me about it. I don't think people hate Dan Girardi. I don't think Ranger fans have ever hated Dan Girardi. I think Ranger fans got real sick and tired of Dan Girardi's usage, but I think that's very different from saying, I hate Dan Girardi. I don't think those words ever came out of our mouths. Uh, I was a longtime Girardi apologist, admittedly so, who thought that if you use Girardi properly and effectively, that somewhere in that aging, decrepit body of his, there was still 
an average NHL defenseman. And I usually threw the blame at Elaine Vino for any and all struggles Dan Girardi had because he simply isn't a guy that should be playing 20 minutes of hockey a night. He doesn't have it in him. His body has given up on that kind of style of play. You could make an argument that he was never that kind of player. Uh, I know you and I had our eyes open to those studies last year. I never had a problem with Dan Girardi as a New York Ranger at his height, at his peak. He was a great Ranger. He served his time and then some. He gave literally everything he had to the organization. But me wanting Dan Girardi gone from the Rangers was not an affront to Dan Girardi, the human being. It was an affront to how Dan Girardi, the hockey player, was being utilized by an overmatched head coach. I, I, I don't – I can't – if I've said otherwise on this podcast, by all means, call me out. Uh, it, I, I, I would call you out, hung, and I don't think you have. In my hungover self, I don't think I've ever said, I hate Dan Girardi. I think my, my tone has always been, it's disappointing to see Dan Girardi this misused. And you know what? John Cooper has been using Dan Girardi pretty properly. It, I, it's hard to call it perfect, but he is putting Dan Girardi in positions to succeed. That game-winning goal is not necessarily an example of that. But the fact that Dan Girardi had the, the legs and wherewithal to be in position for that goal is something I don't think he would have been afforded in New York because at that point in the game, he probably would have been playing his 35th minute. No, and I still feel very strongly that Tampa Bay is going to win the Cup. I, I think that team is really stacked and is poised for the next two rounds. I'd, I'd be worried if they were playing Winnipeg. Winnipeg think, is probably the, their best matchup. I mean, not best matchup, yeah. the toughest matchup. Yeah, I think Winnipeg, that much speed and that much scoring up and down the lineup would scare the crap out of me. God, the Golden Knights have, are going to the conference finals, and the Islanders haven't been there in 21 years. So 25 years. Oh, sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, speaking of things we've gotten wrong in this podcast a lot, we couldn't have been more wrong about the Who was right about the Golden Knights? Nobody. No. Even when they won their first seven games of the year, we're like, this is fun. They've won 50% of the games I expect them to win this year, but I don't expect them to do anything beyond this. If anyone says, ah, oh, yeah, I saw this coming, you're just lying you're to yourself. You're a liar. You are a liar. This is a team that was uh, players picked off of, I would, I, don't want, of, I was going to say low talent players, but they're not. I mean, obviously they're not. They were people that didn't want to be on, like Anaheim <laughs> paid Vegas to take Carlson. They're like, please. That wasn't that wasn't Anaheim. That was Columbus. Oh, sorry, Columbus. Yeah, Columbus gave a first round pick to the Vegas Golden Knights. Why did I think it was Anaheim? For them to to uh, I don't know why you thought it was Anaheim. They got Shea Theodore from Anaheim, who was always a fun pick for them. Huh, um, my even bad. My bad. Carl Carlson. At the time, in hindsight, yeah, sure. In hindsight, you can call everything a bad trade, but this was a guy who I think had eighteen career goals going into the season. So if you or anyone expected William Carlson to blow up for a 40-plus goal season, you're insane. No, you're absolutely nuts. I think, I think the one move that has always been and rightfully criticized was the Florida Panthers trade. Because I don't know how the Golden Knights came away with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh so. It's well, ridiculous. Well, Riley Smith was like one of the bigger steals there. Marsh so, I think, was the biggest steal. And that's a guy they've already extended. Um, and that team looks like it's going to be good for, and I mean, Mark RJ Fleury, uh, that <laughs> he's been out of his fucking mind. Just, just to, just to shut out the sharks to end the series. The one thing we always knew with golden Knights is that they were going to have a good goalie. 
And I, we didn't, we don't listen to our own advice well sometimes yeah. because when you have a good goalie, average teams can be elevated. But then you also have to remember that this team was playing the like fifth string goalie early in the season. Every goalie they had got hurt, and yet they still, they still had ridiculous performances coming from everywhere. They're insane. Team's insane. What are they? I mean, I was gonna say, well, give me the odds of the chance of them winning the cup, but I, I would say it's in play. It definitely well, is in I mean, play. I mean, it's one in four. Yeah, it's twenty five percent. Yeah, it's it, they're gonna if Winnipeg does the thing tonight. Of course, we're rec- we're recording when Winnipeg and the Capitals may do the th- the Capitals aren't doing the thing. Let's be honest. Come on, yeah, that's no, going Game to Seven. Game Seven is happening. Mark my that's words. What, Yell at me on Twitter seven. tomorrow when I'm wrong. That's going to Game Seven, okay. and it's going to be great because the entire DC sports community is going to fold on itself when it goes to a Game Seven. Um, but if Win- Winnipeg, to me, Winnipeg's the most complete team still alive in the playoffs, and that considers Tampa Bay as well. I, I just think they're top to bottom. Where's the weakness on that team? I don't think you can find it. The thing with Winnipeg is, and uh, much smarter people than I, Elliot Friedman most notably, they're going to have a salary cap crunch at the end of the season that they're really going to have to worry about. And it's going to be fascinating to see just how much of this team they're going to be able to keep together. It's going to be uh, – I think this whole offseason is going to be particularly interesting. Uh, and that comes back to the Rangers. Well, actually, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about JT Miller. Let's do it. JT Miller seems to be a popular topic for Rangers Twitter these days. Mostly I think because he's, he's always been pretty popular. Yeah, he's always been sort of out there. He, mostly because he's performing extremely well with Tampa Bay. We've gone kind of back and forth for this uh, and, and said it's because he's playing with two of the best players in hockey. And yes, that's true. But now with JT Miller, it's starting to get like with Ranger fans saying we definitely gave up him for nothing and we could have kept him and traded him in the offseason for more do you feel like he was just a throw-in still or is we weren't going to resign him anyway for 5.5 million on a rebuilding team that wasn't going to happen so was holding on to them the right idea or was it not getting done no i i think this is again a very convenient thing to say in hindsight oh the rangers got the rangers got rubbed Uh, they didn't because you're assuming then if the Rangers held on to JT Miller, that JT Miller would be doing what he's doing right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. If JT Miller stayed with the Rangers throughout the rest of the season, we'd be as frustrated with his performance as we had been the entire season leading up to it, and he'd probably still have a handful of games on the fourth line. JT Miller would not have had this kind of offensive outburst playing under Elaine Vigneault. Now, if the Rangers decided that they wanted to give JT Miller another year in New York under a new head coach – under a different offensive system, then sure, yeah, maybe the JT Miller stock would have risen to the point where it is now. I, I just I, – I don't see how it was going to happen if he stayed playing under the system Elaine Vigneault had constructed for him. It was set up for him to fail. I think, if anything, JT Miller's outburst and blossoming is more of an indictment on Elaine Vigneault than we ever needed to see or experience. We knew that Elaine Vigneault was stunting the growth of certain players, but it's clear that JT Miller is thriving in a different system. And yeah, obviously some of it is because he's playing with Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos that we cannot not mention that because we also have to remember that when Vlad Nemesnikov was playing with those two guys, he was doing basically what JT Miller is doing now. 
The difference is the Mestikov came to the Rangers, got buried by the head coach, and all of a sudden fans are like, well, this, this, I don't know about this. Maybe he was just a flash in the pan, and maybe he was just performing because he was playing with these two exceptionally skilled players. I don't know how that's any different than what JT Miller is doing now then. It's, 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 the same, it's basically the same thing with guys with different names. Nemestikov came to the Rangers and struggled under Elaine Vigneault for the exact same reasons why JT Miller struggled with the Rangers while he was here. I don't know if Nemestikov is going to take a step with the new head coach. I don't know if he's going to ever play to the level that JT Miller is currently playing at right now. What I do know is if you really think if the Rangers had held JT Miller going into the draft that they were going to be able to get more for him in a trade, I think that's a little foolish to think. I don't think you would have. See, I, part of me feels like you could have gotten just a little more because he feels like a throw-in. JT Miller, like, but I like Eiserman was like, okay, throw in JT Miller, we'll get the deal done. Um, and that that was really like the last piece, or that was thrown in because that was he would remember he was not rumored whatsoever. JT was I, never I even think, out there. But I don't think it's fair to call him a throw in. The Rangers said, if if you want Ryan McDonough, I still look at it as two different trades. I look at it as they got Nemestikov and a conditional first round pick for Miller, and they got everything else for Ryan McDonough. And I think if you look at the trade that way. Would you really expect JT Miller, who was on a 40-point pace for the New York Rangers, would you expect him this offseason to get you a conditional first-round pick no, and a not. young, rostered NHL player? With the way he was playing with the New York Rangers, I think for you to look me in the eyes and say, yes, the Rangers would have been able this offseason to get that kind of return for a guy who in his mid-20s struggled mightily on a team that underperformed, who is expecting $5 million this offseason – in restricted free agency, that you'd be able to get that kind of package, I'd call your bluff. I just don't think – to call him a throw-in isn't fair. The Rangers asked for Hayek. The Lightning didn't want to give up Hayek. They asked the Rangers for more, and the Rangers counted with, all right, then you have to also give us more as well. I, the Rangers and Lightning may have been able to get a deal done without Hayek and Miller involved, but that's the guy the Rangers wanted, and they wanted to make sure they got their guy. So they did. I, I, I just – I don't see that as, a, as calling Miller a throw-in. I think the Rangers, and I've had this discussion with people on Twitter, I think the Rangers were at a point with JT Miller where they were comfortable keeping him, but they were just as comfortable talking with teams about trading him. I don't think the Rangers were looking to trade JT Miller, but if you brought his name up in trade conversations, I don't think they would have hung up the phone. No, they definitely wouldn't have hung up the phone, and that was something we were talking about for years. It was going to be Hayes or Miller, and it ended up being Miller just sooner than we expected. It did, and that goes back to one of our main talking points from the entire season. I don't know how many times in the podcast you and I discussed if it come, if push comes to shove, the Rangers are going to have to choose yeah, what between Kevin yeah, Hayes and JT Miller. Miller just went first. That's all. Yeah. We, and I don't, I don't ever remember us saying at any point in time that Miller was the guy to keep. I think we were always saying that Kevin Hayes played a more pivotal role in the Rangers' long-term future. No, no, not at all. I mean, JT, I mean, I'm happy for him in the, on the Lightning. I really do think they're going to win the Cup. I feel pretty strongly about that and that's exactly what i want to happen because like, we get their first round pick if that's the case so let's see what happens with jt he's gonna get a big payday for this do you think this brings him up to six million no i i don't think i think nh i don't think nhl gms are that smart of a breed um i think they're smart enough not to keep their own guy for more money based off a single postseason run if jt miller hit the open market I think there's a GM dumb enough that would see what he's doing and bid a little bit more. But since the Lightning controlled his rights, I think they're going to cap his payday a little bit. 
One of the questions we get asked a lot is, what are some of the, you know what? Uh, fuck it. We'll do five-star questions right now. You ready? Sure. We have two five-star questions this week and another question we'll mention in a second. But thing is, we discontinued this section of our podcast like three weeks ago, but it continues to happen. So it's back on. If you want to leave five-star questions for us, you can go to iTunes, click five stars, and leave a question. First question is, hidden gem. From, it's K-H-I-G-G-I, which is, I guess, is Kahigi? From Kahigi? Longtime Ranger fan, fan living in Omaha, Nebraska. Don't Omaha. ask. Omaha, 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 Omaha. Don't ask why. I won't. This I'm podcast asking. is a great way to stay connected and, and get a sense of what's going on, even if it's Greg and Ryan's own thoughts. Question, if you're still doing them, should the Rangers use their prospects to try and move up in the draft or save them for a, a move midseason if they could be in contention for a playoff spot. So we are still doing the questions. Thanks for asking the question. Appreciate it. Uh, if you want an actual full rundown, or if the Rangers should move up in the draft, I'm going to plug really hard right now. Drew Way posted an amazing, what would it take to move up as the, as the Rangers draft on our, our website, bushesbreakaway.com today. Synopsis, it costs a lot to move up past seven. A lot. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it's usually not worth it. And I don't think we're going to end up holding on to anything for – I don't think we're going to be in contention next year. And I think the team knows it's not going to be the old Rangers that would sit there and say, okay, we're, we could trade some of our picks right now for some players who can help us right now. This team's done doing that. At least I hope they're done doing that. Unless you – do you disagree with me, Greg? I just – I think it always depends on the player. I still think this team is in the market for a high-end defensive talent, and it's not going to come via free agency. I, I think acquiring a high-end defensive talent is part of the Rangers' rebuild. So I, I think if they can find someone and it costs them Tampa and Boston's pick or Matt Zuccarello or a combination of those three, I don't think they're going to hesitate to do it. No. I'm looking at you, Oscar Clefbaum. I'm looking at you, bud. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that the Rangers will try and move up. But like Greg said, I think last week, it's more likely we move up into the 20s or the teens. I, I will say, I, if the Rangers move up in the top 10, I don't think it's going to be in, they're going to move up to the top five. I think, I think like Drew's pointed out, if the Rangers are sitting at nine and the likes of Oliver Wallstrom have fallen and Adam Boquist have fallen to seven, then I think the Rangers will entertain jumping two draft picks to get to seven. I don't see a reason for the Rangers to jump all the way up to five or four. I just I don't think the talent difference between who is going to be available at four and who's going to be available at seven is great enough to justify the assets it would take from you to acquire that pick. Let's go to the next question. This Bob Gotti says five stars snazzy. Been listening for the beginning episodes. Probably one of the better hockey pods out there that are team centric. Also makes my drive to work a whole lot more bearable, so I don't drift into oncoming traffic. Hot dog is definitely not a sandwich, unfortunately. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's living a life of a lie. What are some of the real, uh, realistic uh, acquisitions the Rangers can make this offseason? That was actually asked last week, too. Well, we wanted to talk a little bit this week about... I feel like we haven't done a deep dive on the uh, free agent market. And there's a reason for that. And I think that's what we can go over right now. Outside of John Tavares, outside of Ilya Kovalchuk, two guys we've talked about extensively one of which is definitely signing with the Rangers, Tavares, and one of which is likely signing with the Rangers in Kovalchuk. Um, this year's free agent class is bad. It's not good. 
So if, right if, right now, currently, and we'll go through the top ten really quick, okay? Sure. I'll just read them off. I'm, yeah, a, I, I'm on the hockeynews.com, and this is who they – nice shout-out and plug for them. Uh, this is their top ten free agents as of July 2018. Here we go. John Tavares, number one, and in, in, in order here. John Tavares, John Carlson, James Van Riemdyk, Paul Stasny, Mike Green, Evander Kane, Ilya Kovalchuk, James Neal, Joe Thornton, and David Perron. The fact that – Rick Nash is number 11, by the way. The fact that who's the number who's the fourth guy you said on that list? Four is Paul Stasny. The fact I like Paul Stasny. The fact that he's number four and that Mike Green was included in the top ten is kind of everything you need to know about this free agent class. It's it's just not good. The Rangers need defense, not a secret whatsoever. Uh, our forwards corps pretty good. John Carlson is just not the guy, though. First of all, um, he's head and shoulders better than every other defenseman available on the free market this year which means he's going to get paid handsomely. Uh, Sean Tierney put out his charts for what he thinks Carlson is going to make. This and says Carlson maybe was, $8 million. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be north of $8 million because if you have a desperate need for defense, the difference between John Carlson and Mike Green is the difference between one end of the Grand Canyon and the other. Um, John, John Carlson, if you have a problem with how Kevin Shattenkirk plays, I can't imagine you're going to talk yourself into signing John Carlson. And the different, he's 28. I think Carlson, to me, is the one contract I would have no interest in signing. I think it turns bad well before that contract expires. We're talking about a guy that's going to get somewhere north of a seven-year deal. He's going to – his game is going to deteriorate. He had a career season this year. I just don't think he's any better than a middle-pairing defenseman on a very good team. I don't think he's a guy you would want on your number one pairing. Um, I, I, as a Ranger fan, as a fan of a team who understands the team's desperate need for high impact defensemen, I do not see John Carlson as that guy. I do not. And if he's going to get eight million dollars, I have no interest in dabbling in the defensive market this year. Do you know? It just doesn't make sense. You know what's a great indicator in how bad this Ranger class is? Number fifteen on this list is Michael Grabner. Now, that's not a problem. Michael Grabner could be 15. Number 16 is Thomas Vanek. That is a problem. Vanek's a free agent every year. If there was ever a year, and this is a frustration we've talked about. It's a frustration I know Brandon Fitzpatrick shares with us. It's a frustration our boy Woj shares with us. It's a frustration that just about every person in hockey shares is that no one goes after restricted free agents. And Nobody, if there's ever that good go- boys club rule is really shitty. A list of people that are restricted free agents this year that are under the age of 25, Ryan. Are you ready? I'm born for this moment. Mark Stone, he of the 62-point yep. Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. restricted free agent. Dylan Larkin, 21-year-old speedster, also 62 points last year. William Nylander, heard of him. JT Miller, JT Miller, 25. Matt Dumba, he's 23 and a defenseman. He'd be quite a good get. Uh, Tomas Hurdle, Max Domi, Elias Lindholm. There are so many restricted free agents that are worth a, just not, not even just attention, but worth in any other sport, they get offer sheeted. And I, if you set it at one and a half, I'm pounding, you set it at a half, I'm pounding the under of restricted free agents that get offer sheeted. I just it zero right. It's going to be zero. It it's going to be zero. zero. There are going to be zero offer sheets, even though there should be 
multiple, especially considering, again, how poor this free agent class is. That's something that has to be addressed in the next CBA, which is coming sooner than later. I, how do you address it, though? It, it's basically open collusion. It's very much I mean, open general, collusion. General managers do not want to put other general managers in a position where they feel like they are, steal, quote-unquote, stealing assets. And it's an understanding that if I don't do it to you, you won't do it to me. And I, I, I don't know how you fix that. If you do it, you sour the relationship. And then you can't make trades. I don't. I don't understand how you. I. I don't know for the life of me how you fix that. The happens, only way to fix it happens it, in the NBA. People. People do that all the time. All the time. It happens in the NFL all the time. Um, it doesn't happen in baseball because the system does not exist. Nope. But, I mean, the system is basically in baseball. If someone gets qualified, teams. Some teams still go after them. It's just not if you're Mike Mustakis. Uh, the only way you solve it is by getting rid of restricted free agency. But if you get rid of restricted free, I, I don't know how you. It, it that we're, this is a conversation on a level well above our pay grade. Yes, but, but I mean, we might have it one day this summer. We might. We're, we're going to have to. We're going to have a lot of time to fill. <laughs> um, Every week. The, the simple fact is the guys that are going to be free agents this summer don't make sense outside of a handful of the veterans. Either Kovalchuk, we've talked about, makes well, perfect let's sense. Let's go through the list of people room. that I named real quick of people that we could be interested in. John Tavares, already a Ranger. John Carlson, no thanks. James, James Van Riemsdyk, a player we might actually look at. I like Van Riemsdyk. It's re- for him, it's going to come down to how bad does he want to play for the Rangers? How short does he want that contract to be? I think we'd do it three years, and he's definitely not going to want that. I don't. I, if I'm James Van Riemsdyk, I have no... No reason whatsoever to accept a contract for less than five years. Yeah, five would. And if I'm the if I'm the Rangers, I have no reason. There's a difference between John Tavares and James Van Riemsdyk. John Tavares is a guy you build a franchise around. James Van Riemsdyk is more of the last big piece to really put a contender over the top. Exactly, that's the best way to describe James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, he's he's basically whereas John Tavares is a general. Um, James Van Riemsdyk is a mercenary. Nice job. Where he's the guy you want to cut. Yeah. Then we go- he'd be great, but the Rangers don't need a mercenary right now. And it wouldn't make sense for them to bring him in. James Van Riemsdyk's first two years in New York might be absolutely terrible. Not, not, not for him personally or financially, but it might be terrible as in the Rangers might not make the playoffs. And if you're James Van Riemsdyk and you're sitting there 29 years old, do you really want to spend the last two years of your prime on a team that's in a, in a, in some sense rebuilding? No, I just don't see it. Probably, not. I, I think he's going to have suitors that'll pay him uh, handsomely outside of New York. Then we have we go to Paul Stasny. That's a no from us. Mike Green, absolutely not. Evander Kane, not going to happen. Ilya Kovalchuk, already a Ranger. And then James Neal, Joe Thornton, and David Perron. Not none of it's happening. None of Joe happening. Thornton makes as much sense this year as it did well, last I guess we, year. We just include Rick Nash as the number eleven there. Yeah, and Rick Nash, Rick Nash, Joe Thornton both make sense this year as they did last year. Again, in the Kovalchuk, we need a veteran to help stabilize this young roster to teach them how to be professional how hockey players. How to be players. men among men. Yeah, like I can see the Rangers getting one of those type of free agents outside of Kovalchuk, someone that'll help bridge the gap between this Ranger team and the next great Ranger team without eating a whole lot of term up. Um but Evander Kane is a guy that's going to get a multi-year deal. If Evander Kane is smart, I don't think he leaves San Jose. Um, Paul Stasny is a center that he, – he, Paul Stasny is the step down from Van Riemsdyk where 
if you're a contender, you want, I mean, this is exactly why Winnipeg traded for him at the deadline. If you're a contender, you think Stasny is going to help push you towards that edge of championship caliber. But if you're a team like the Rangers who admit that next year might be more of a lost season, he doesn't make any sense and he's going to get multi years. So if you're burnt, if you're the only guys worth burning a long-term first year on their contract in this free agent class is John Tavares. If you want to bring in John Tavares for a team that might not make the playoffs next year, but you just want to make sure you already have them, you do it. Every other free agent on the market, it just doesn't make any sense. Not for the Rangers. If the Rangers are going to be bad next year, just be bad with what you have. Let's go over to our first and only guest of the day. And that's Dan from BruneTalkingNow.com. And he's going to be talking to uh, us about... Stanley, Stanley Cup of Chowder, buddy. Oh, Cup of Chowder. I'm sorry. He's that's at, at, at Now. There you go. Yes. There you go. Uh, and he's going to be talking to us about uh, the bird's loss, his morning of, of the... I, we could say before he gets on, the fleecing the Rangers did, uh, the Bruins, and then uh, also licking people. So let's go to him now. Transition. Transition. We're back with our first guest of the day. We have Dan from StanleyCupOfChatter.com. He is the site manager, CEO, and absolute president of all things Bruins. Dan, say hello. Hey, uh, hello from uh, playoff hey, elimination hey, land you sound so happy, Dan. Yeah, you know what? The season's over. I got a little break, so maybe I should be happy, oh. but... It's a sad day here in, in, in Boston hockey land. Are you taking a nice vacation anywhere to escape the what happened to the Bruins? Uh, actually, actually, I am going away at the end of next week, but it was already planned, so it's probably a good thing that they're out because now I don't have to miss any <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, you would have actually missed So it works out well. That's all, right. All, so, all yeah, you're going to miss they is, did me a favor. Yeah, all you're going to miss instead is the Bruins fan base eating itself alive saying that Brad Marchand needs to get traded. Yeah, well, you know that would have been that would have happened regardless of when they lose. If they lose, if they do not win the Stanley Cup, someone has to be traded. Is pretty much how it works around here. And even if they do win the Stanley Cup, someone should still be traded. There are still people who are on Twitter daily, almost, who complain about the Bruins trading for Thomas Caberlet in 2011. Stupid trade. They paid too much. They won the goddamn cup. It worked. <laughs> there's there's nothing to complain about. So even then, even when they won. People still complain about that. So, no, it's not surprising that they're calling for this guy. Let's talk about the Marchand epidemic as it was. I don't know why I use that word all the time. I don't know. Um, let's talk about well, the lick. He might, he might cause one if he keeps licking. He the, might be in an epidemic. <laughs> there you go. The licking itself. Was that story? It was kind of a non-story for a second. He said it was not true, and then all of a sudden it, it reignited. What You've been yeah. covering the team. It's probably been one of your most clicked on stories. Um, what's up with that? Yeah, so it happened, I think it was earlier this season it happened when the, when the Leafs came. He did it to Komarov, and no one really noticed. Uh, and I want to say two or three years ago now, he did it to Patrick Eves in Dallas. Um, actually tried to kiss him on the cheek. Now, it wasn't a lick. It was more of a very obvious peck. Um, I don't know. So it was weird because it happened to Komarov again. And you'd think that that's when it would have blown up because it was Toronto and those people go nuts over anything. It kind of came up. Everyone laughed it off and then it went away. And then I think it was about a week ago, Elliot Friedman had it in that 31 thoughts that he was told the league called the Bruins. And then Marshawn denied it and the Bruins denied it. And then the league denied it. Uh, which is weird because Friedman's not usually wrong. So someone's lying. Um, and then it is, some people said it happened again in game one, I believe. I didn't think that was quite a lick. It was more of a nuzzle. Um, and then <laughs> in, 
Definitely more of a nuzzle than a lick. Yes. And then game, was it game four, game three? They all bleed together at this point. Um, it, that one was obvious. So it's just weird. It's it's what he does. He's, he's just trying to get under people's skin, and it works. Um, but I'm not surprised that they finally have said, like, you know, stop. It's enough. Like, it, it, there's... I'm surprised, honestly, that they didn't give him something before this in a game. I'm guessing that in a lot of cases, the refs didn't see it because, you know, sometimes guys knock heads in a scrum and you can't tell what's going on. Um, but, you know, they could have called him for anything on sports and like, I mean, even roughing, if he licked him really hard, I guess they could have called. <laughs> so it's not surprising that they're they're finally saying enough. Um, I love that this is a serious hockey conversation. It's, it's absolutely. So... I think so. Full disclosure: I think he should stop. I think it is it, it's bad. He shouldn't do it. It's it's gross. Full full stop. That I believe all of that. The people who are having the trotting out the takes that it's so. Someone told me that the Bruins should be forced to suspend him and he should be sued in in like federal court. What for for sexually harassing Ryan Callahan? So. <laughs> That's that's how far this has gone. And again, he should stop. He should stop doing it. But to to go so far as to call that a sexual assault kind of mocks everyone who's actually been assaulted in real life. So that's one of the worst takes I've seen about it. He's got to stop doing it. It didn't help that he didn't have a great games two through five. Not a no one on the team did really, but he stuck out to me as a guy who was really pressing. Um so, you know, if he was licking people and scoring two goals a game, I think people would laugh it off. But even here, I think people have kind of had enough of it. So the league came down, told him to stop. I assume that will be it, and he'll he'll come up with something new next season to do to people, maybe like a wet willy or something. That's I'm, not technically licking. I'm so, still of the opinion that Callahan should have tagged him back. Lick for lick, man. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he should. Why not? He could have licked him back. He could have punched him back. Do something. But it, it, I don't know. I, are you guys still big Callahan guys? I know he was pretty no. popular I, while he was there. <laughs> no. I, I mean, so, I don't have negative opinions of Callahan, but I didn't have a single problem with the Rangers trading him. No, I was never. Yeah, so he, I mean, him. it's funny because he, I, I get what he's doing. If he, I don't know, he kind of just like stood there. It, was, it reminded me a little bit of when Marshawn speedbagged the Sedin back in 2011 and he just stood there. He just let he just let him punch him in the head about four straight times. Well, Callahan should have just tagged him back. You know, I think being I, who he is, maybe he would have gotten a call. But considering it's Martian, the league obviously knows that if if he had socked him back, I kind of doubt they would have given Callahan the only penalty. So at at some point, someone's gonna let you know. Someone's gonna cheap shot him back, and he's waiting for it. He knows it's coming. So. Will it stop him? Probably not. And we'll just have something else to talk about next season. So I think I have what is the only logical follow-up question to that conversation. Is is life a simulation? I mean, at this point, it kind of has to be. I totally, if, if you totally look at, agree. If you look at everything, <laughs> everything going on in the world, in, in the United States, in politics. Uh, yes, oh, we don't, talk about, that... we don't talk about politics on this podcast, okay? We got a one-star review today. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, what was it because of politics? It literally says for RagerFan94, stick to hockey, not politics. <laughs> I can't remember once of us talking about I, politics. I don't either. remember when we did it, but I'm sure we did. No, people are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> thanks for Ranger Fan ninety four. Appreciate it. Uh, that's when, that's when they won the cup. In case you're wondering, let's talk about the trades <laughs> that happened with between the Bruins and the Rangers and how you feel about them now. Let's Rick Nash. What was your opinion of him as a Bruin? 
I mean, uh, so it's weird because I, I'm, I'm disappointed yes, a little, but yes. not, not, not really. Like, oh. so I, I, I've told you guys before. I watched a decent number of Rangers games to watch my favorite Dorchester player, uh, and like I kind of think I, I think I knew what he was. Like, I think a lot of people in Boston who didn't watch a ton of Rangers games were probably expecting, you know, forty goal power forward Rick Nash, uh, and I don't think he's. I mean, was he ever that in New York? Maybe he was that. He was one that year, a once. season. One yeah, he was. <laughs> he was that once, and then he had three concussions, and he couldn't beat that anymore. Yeah, so that one time he did that. I mean, I've seen him since, and he's had some good games against the Bruins. So maybe people were a little bit, you know, won over by that. But I was expecting him to come in, be a decent power play guy, and and help Krejci. Krejci likes playing with big wings, and you know, he did look. He did look pretty good for a while, but then. I mean, you guys just just said the c word. He got another concussion. He got hit up high against Tampa, missed I think two or three weeks. Even he might have missed almost ten games. And I don't know. He came he came back against Toronto, and there were reports that he was wearing a uh, oh god, I forget the term tinted visor. Uh, a, a tinted visor. Going to say a shaded visor. That's not the right word. But he was wearing a tinted visor, which I guess he hasn't done at least in a while. So that tells you the guy wasn't right, you know. And and I'm not. I mean, no one should mock head injuries, and the Bruins know better than anyone else how bad they can be. So, I kind of give him a pass for for having a not great playoffs. He he looked great in that game one against Tampa. The whole team did, but he was, you know, he got one in off the post, off the rush, which was like vintage Columbus Rick Nash. He had a great tip on the power play, but you know what are you going to do? They they went for it a little. They didn't sell the farm and go for McDonough too. They they. They, I guess, I don't know. They they bought one at the at the big sale and didn't go all in. So, did it work out? No, but I don't know. I, I didn't have super high expectations for him. So while I'm disappointed, I'm not really surprised. It's just like, yeah, is there? I hoped he'd do better, but is there a piece in that Nash trade that bothers you the most in hindsight? Like, is there a guy that the Bruins gave up for Rick Nash that you're like, that that's a that's a bridge too far. Yes, I, I really think they should have kept Matt Bolesky in his big contract. <laughs> no, I, so uh, yeah, I mean the big the big piece to me is probably the draft pick. I mean that's something you're not going to get back uh, in all likelihood. Um, Lindgren, who knows? Uh, I mean, he played right. Did he make his debut, or am I making? He that up? debuted in the AHL, and he okay played totally. played quite well. Yeah, so and and he's a guy who it was funny because we were all, you know, we were following him pretty closely when he was playing with Team USA, and it was like, yeah, you know, this kid looks good, he's gonna be good, and then he got traded, and everyone was like, yeah, he was okay, he was never really gonna put it together. So people were kind of talking themselves out of him already. Um, it's just to me, it's one that's gonna hurt more or less two or three years from now if Lindgren develops into a. You know, number two, God forbid, number one defenseman. Uh, yeah, people are going to be pissed. But Spooner, I think, was on his way out anyways. He, I know he put up some decent numbers for the Rangers, and he had been having a good season. But he, uh, he, he was just one of those guys here who, even when he was on, people never really seemed to like him, which obviously with fan opinion doesn't really matter. But even management and even coaching, was just it never seemed like – there was there's some must have been something about him that that the coaches are just like they never really bought into because Julian didn't really like him, 
Um, Cassidy gave him more rope. I actually liked him. I thought he was a good player. He's one of the best skaters they've had in a long time. So we'll see what happens with Lindgren. But right now, I think that the pick is probably the toughest thing to swallow just because they'll feel that immediately when, you know, the draft comes up in June and they're sitting on the sideline for 35, I'm not 35, 50 consecutive picks or something. So uh, that's the immediate hurt. And then Lindgren could could be a tough one to swallow a couple years from now. Yeah, I Spooner Spooner's interesting now in New York that you bring him up because the Rangers they had a problem last year where it felt like they were going to have to choose between JT Miller and Kevin Hayes. And then it for a while it seemed like they made their choice and they were going to go the Kevin Hayes route for a while, but now you add in Spooner and Vlad Nemesnikov, two new RFAs that the Rangers they can't pay even with as much cap space as the Rangers have. It doesn't make sense for them to pay everyone. So as good of a run that Spooner had with the Rangers, it's interesting to think that he might be the guy they could once again flip just because his value is, again, at its highest. Yeah, so it's somewhat – I mean, if you think about it, he's, he's, restri- he's restricted, right? I yes. forget already yep. with him. So, I mean, so it seems like he's been a restricted free agent for about 15 years. It's very strange. Um, one of those guys who just always comes up in the off season. It's like, oh, he's wait, he's restricted again. So I mean, you know, he's long. We have we have very, I guess, short attention spans over here where we forget guys have been here for a while. So uh, you got to think, just watching him, someone, some team out there would would give a decent pick for him uh, for his rights at least, you know, or you know, even if the Rangers sign him to a, a year deal or something and then flip him. Um, you guys saw, I'm sure, he's got almost like tantalizing offensive upside. Like he, he'll do that thing where he gets the puck at his own blue line. He kind of turns the wrong way and then just takes off. It's very exciting to watch. The problem is that three times out of four, it ends up going the other way because he turns it over. But um, I, I mean, even as a half wall specialist on the power play, some team, if the Ranger, he's not in the Rangers' plans, they should be able to get something for him, which. You know, from from a Rangers perspective, should make that trade even better because you turned it into a half, or not even a, a twenty game rental. He played arguably the best he's played in his career, and then you flip him for another pick, and you know your soft rebuild continues. So I think that, yeah, I, I definitely think that they could flip him. Uh, you guys would know better than me if they should or not, but they certainly should get something for him. So you know that that Nash trade could be the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I'm I'm fifth I I can talk myself into keeping Spooner as much as I can talk myself into making him the centerpiece either of putting the Boston pick with him and trading up into the teens or just making him part of a larger package for a impact defenseman that you can get from say Edmonton or someone like that. Um yep. so I, you I'm, I mean I'm you you pretty much described most Bruins fans' opinions of him for the last four or five years. <laughs> it's like it's always been, and it, it, some of it is true that people have always said he hasn't quite gotten a fair shake, uh, like a full, really long, extended look in a consistent position. Let him go, let him see what he can do. Yeah, but it's been the same thing. He's been, I mean, Bruins fans have been trading him for Jerome McGinley, for someone in Edmonton, for. It doesn't matter. Anyone. He's been one of those guys that you package and flip for years. So maybe the Rangers will be the ones who finally do it. And 
yeah, he's a good it, player. He's got he's got talent, and you know if he's not in the Rangers' plans, they should be able to get something for him. And it's it's one of those things with Spooner where it's not it's actually more complimentary that Ranger fans are putting him in trades because we realize that you could I I don't think it's insane to say that he was probably the Rangers' best offensive player from the minute he got in New York and to the end of the season. He just it seemed to click, and it seemed like anytime the Rangers were doing anything offensively, Ryan Spooner was heavily involved. So it's, it's not Ranger fans saying we don't want Ryan Spooner. It's just Ranger fans now being in the mo- mind of a rebuild saying, hey, we might be able to get something for Ryan Spooner. Why don't we go get something for him? Yep, but if that's what they decide, if they decide they're going full rebuild, then, yeah, it would make sense to move him, get a pick, and, and dig deep into the draft. So we'll see. They should get something for him, though, if they do decide to move him. Now, do you want to talk about the real big trade that the Rangers and Bruins made last year? No, 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 uh, Nick Holden. The, the the one that they didn't make for Ryan McDonough that worked out <laughs> great for not the Bruins. Yes, we can talk about it. So, you, I mean, the, you Nick Holden. This, you, you got the other half of our first pairing. Yeah, yeah, you got the other yeah. Half. He was the he was he was the other half of the Bruins like fifth pairing for most of the season and most of the end of the season. So, hey, I mean, he was fine. He he. Another one where it's like, so I don't know how closely you guys followed last year, but last year they, and I guess it kind of happened again this year because Brandon Carlo blew out his ankle in like a horrifying fashion in the second last week of the season. Uh, He was a pretty, I mean, you guys have had players like this too. He's young and he screws up sometimes, but at times he shows flashes of being great. So he was actually in steady. He was steadying this year and was pretty good on the Bruins' bottom bottom three. Usually, uh, he blew out his ankle, and then, I mean, it was a little late. But in Game Four the other night, you see Crew go down again with an ankle, and and so then Holden comes in. But they got him to me because of what happened in the Ottawa series last year where Carlo was out, Krug was out, um, Charlie McAvoy ended up playing for about his 80th team that season as a rookie. Um, they had Tommy Cross, who, no offense to Tommy Cross, wasn't ready for NHL action playing in the playoffs last year. So they went out and got Holden solely to have depth on the blue line, same with Paul Postma. Um, I don't. I think the plan probably was to never need him, in the playoffs didn't work out that way. And I mean, he played yesterday and they lost, but he certainly wasn't, you know, the reason they lost, he was fine. He never, you know, I think he scored a goal or two for them. Um, never really lit it up, but he was fine. He, it was one of those trades where it's like, yeah, all right, this is a depth guy. You know, they didn't give up too much for him. And while he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't win the many games. He also, I've heard, I was kind of expecting him to lose some for them based on, on the Rangers' feedback, but he ended up being fine. Uh, don't expect him back. And I think that that was just a one-shot depth rental. And yeah, he'll he'll go down in Bruins history as kind of one of those guys you forget was ever on the team. So <laughs> Ranger fans will never forget Nick Holden oh, for all the wrong reasons. So by the sounds of it, it kind of sounds like is your biggest regret not trading for Ryan McDonough? Is that the thing that's going to block the season a little bit? No, so it's tough to say because I I am of the opinion that so so before and it's probably because the Bruins played Tampa pretty well in the regular season. They went three and one against them the last game of the season. They lost in Tampa, I believe, four to nothing um, in late March or early April, and it was one of those games. The Bruins down the stretch. 
you know, you kind of should have seen some of this coming in late March and April, they just kind of would come out and look great or they'd look completely terrible. There was no in between. And that was one of those games. So they played Tampa well. So going into this series, I wasn't really buying Tampa as this juggernaut. I, I mean, everyone who asked me, my, my my brother would ask me, oh, can they beat Tampa? And I'd just keep telling people Tampa was soft just for fun. I mean, I, I don't really <laughs> believe it, but it was just fun to say. Um, and then in this series, so game one happens and you're like, oh, man, see, I told you they can, they can hang with Tampa. And then everything just fell apart and it became it became pretty apparent Uh by game two that it's like all right this team is way better than the Bruins are so and I think that a lot of it was McDonough because yeah the, the Tampa's forwards were good but what I think won them that series was they just completely shut down the Bruins offensively just completely clamped down on them and they don't do that I don't think if they're limited to you know Hedman and Strawman only as a top pair but once you throw McDonough in there it kind of lets them you know, put put one of those two other guys in a better situation. Um, and they just are way, way deeper than the Bruins on defense. So if you flip it around, would they have been better with him? Yes. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. You, you want to say, yeah, if they had gotten McDonough, they would have beaten Tampa. And, you know, you can even push it further and say if they had gotten McDonough, they would have gotten one more point in the regular season. They would have gotten the first seed and they would never have played Toronto. You know, it goes down that whole rabbit hole. Um, my guess is that they internally had to decide between an upgrade on for at the forward position and an upgrade at defense. And uh, they made their choice. You know, I imagine they were in, in the running for McDonough. They probably made plenty of calls and, you know, there were rumors of this guy and that guy. But I think that they, you know, he's got he's got a year left on his deal, right, after this season. So I don't know if that has something to do with it, where they're, you know, the Bruins are in a weird spot right now where they're they're young, but they're also kind of getting old. So they maybe they didn't want to take on that extra year, um, and it gives them some flexibility this offseason. For what? I'm not entirely sure because there's no real big guys out there, but my guess is that they they probably didn't want to go with both um maybe nash was slightly cheaper of a, of a rental and they chose offense over defense wasn't probably and i mean in hindsight obviously it wasn't the best decision but i i can't really fault them for just saying no let's go straight rental let's get the winger crazy wants crazy needs and we'll go from there because they had played great defensively all season they were a pretty good defensive team um but, you know, whether it was injuries, inexperience, or, or fatigue, they just got completely broken down. So, yes, things probably would have gone differently with McDonough, but you can at least, I'm not going to say justify, because I'm, maybe I'm in denial here, that you can at least rationalize why they made the decision they did. So, it, it's too bad, because it does leave you wondering what if, but... You know, they made their decision, they brought in forward help over defense, and it just didn't really pan out, so... Well, that's the season of hockey for you. I can't say I'm jealous that you went and we didn't. Oh, wait, I totally <laughs> can because I missed the playoffs. Um, well, so see, that's the thing. It's like, it, they, they, you know, they this for the Bruins, I don't know what, I truly don't know. What were, what were the expectations for the Rangers this season? We thought like, we were going to make the playoffs. Season? Yeah, I think in most of our uh, preseason kind of 
touching base with all the other teams and seeing what was up and talking to other pundits, we were supposed to be the wildcard team. That was, yeah, that, was so, that was us. So if you and if you go back and look at a lot of, I mean, I probably said the Bruins would win the Stanley Cup just because it's fun. You don't want to be the the guy who predicts like a ninth seed. Come on, just you know, go all in, be full homer. It's fine. So, but most people, you know, most most pundits, prognosticators had the Bruins fourth in the division. You know, so you say like, yeah, you, you miss playoff hockey. That's kind of how how I feel today and even yesterday. It's like, look, there's no. There's no denying that Tampa was better. They were the better team. Someone, someone on on our staff uh, was kind of fired up after the game last night and went on Twitter and said that the Bruins were not the worst team and that the refs uh, oh my decided the series to a, you know, the account has ten thousand something followers and we were getting dragged online for hours uh, <laughs> after that. I didn't delete it because I don't, you know, whatever. Put it out there, stir the pot up, but. I went in the chat and I was like, "Does whoever said that actually believe it?" And he he tried to explain it, and he made I mean, he made sense. He didn't phrase it the best way, but you know they they were the worst team. So whatever they lost in the playoffs to a great team, but still, you know it's fun. They made the playoffs. The thing is, you it's, lo- you it's lost to, to a watch. superior team, and and that's okay. It's right. there's no shame in that. The last time the Rangers were the playoffs, we lost to Ottawa. So oh, so did so did we? <laughs> yeah. so, it, it's just so funny because when. When you brought up the fact that you brought I in totally Nick Holden, because, brought up Nick Holden because of the deficiencies you had in the Ottawa series, the reason why the Rangers fans wanted to trade Nick Holden was because of his deficiencies in the Ottawa series. So was that, that was that the second second round last year? It was. Yeah, the Rangers right, should have so, won in so, five, and because of Nick Holden was, and Mark Stahl, we lost in six. So I was talking to someone I forget who it was, a friend or a coworker or something, and the reason that this this doesn't really hurt is because like you said Tampa was a better team it's like all right you know whatever next better luck next year that series last year against Ottawa and I'm sure you guys probably felt the same way that <laughs> Ottawa team was not good they oh, were not a good we team we feel very strongly about this there was there was nothing good about that team other than Eric Carlson so that series last year was just maddening that bothered me for a few weeks this year I already forgot it's like yeah all right Tampa's better Better luck next year, but that. So you guys know the feeling. That Ottawa oh, yeah. team sucked. That had to be one of the worst conference finalists in recent memory. They were, a and they bad put the team. Penguins to seven games. <laughs> See, that's why. That's you asked about living in a simulation. That's that's proof right yeah, there. That's proof right there. And then they're going to trade Eric that, Carlson. So that's fun. Well, yeah, but now I kind of feel bad for Ottawa people at this point because they are going to do that. The ownership is yeah. terrible. I'm never. So I'm how, never going to how. How about they trade? Let's just make like the hockey world collapse on itself, and they can trade Carlson to Edmonton for like Milan Lucic, oh. and then everyone would just lose their mind. That's be real. Beautiful. That's real simulation shit. That's like you're playing a hockey simulator. It's like forced trade. <laughs> yeah, no. absolutely. Yes, but but with with Chirelli at the helm, you never know. Something I was talking maybe maybe McDavid. I was talking with a coworker today who brought up the idea of the Predators trading Roman Yossi to the Senators in a Carlson trade. And the reason why I said it wouldn't happen is because while Roman Yossi has a $4 million cap hit, he's actually getting paid $5 million, and there's no way the Senators would want to pay him $5 million because it's oh, just that fucking cheap. No, especially once you convert that U.S. salary to Canadian dollars. Hell no. Wait yeah, that's sense. like $6.3 billion in Canadian <laughs> money. That's right. I think it's even more than that. But yes, you're right. It's got to be close to $10 billion, So 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. But like like you said, it, it's fun to get in. It's fun to have playoff hockey. It's fun to you know you guys you guys in the Northeast. Yep. Oh yeah. Like regionally. I mean, so yeah, it's fun. It the, yeah, one of the best parts about playoff hockey is that it's 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 a hockey game and it's nice out. Like it's seventy five degrees and sunny, and it's like yeah, this is great. So it's fun. The playoffs are fun. They got in. They made some noise. They beat Toronto, which is never a bad thing, and they lost to a better team. So. You know, the big deals didn't get them to the cup final. They didn't get them any trophies, but they got us a couple decent memories and some angry Toronto fans. And I mean, that you could argue that trading for Rick Nash oh, well, is worth that alone. Yeah, so. that's worth it. Dan, before we let you go, uh, I hate I hate predictions, but give me one anyway. Who's winning the cup? Uh, I think either Tampa or Winnipeg. And I, I cannot stand the Jets. I really don't like them as a team, but... They're good, and it's too bad because I wish they had stayed in Atlanta. But that's a whole different story. I think if if they went up, if they went head to head, Tampa and Winnipeg, it would be a great series. But I'm gonna try to be the bigger person here and say Tampa's gonna win because I'm so gracious and not bitter at all. Oh, so. there you go, Dan. I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you plug your stuff and we'll get you, let you go? Sure. So the website is stanleycupofchowder.com. We'll have a lot of great uh, wailing and grinding of teeth over the next few days where it's all everyone else's fault but the players. Uh, <laughs> so come check that out. We'll blame the refs. We might, we're might. we not going to suggest trading anyone, but we might make fun of people who do. So stop by. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. One of our favorite recurring guests. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace out, man. Thanks. Hey, we're back. Thanks so much for Dan. Uh, what a great guest Dan is. Big, big, big fan of Dan. Uh, mellow, mellow fellow. Don't like Boston that much like Dan. But let's talk about the hot in the street story this week that really let your pants on fire. And that is the Rangers are looking to trade. Or we're looking to trade for Matt Harvey because he got DFA'd by the Mets. The Texas Rangers. Love it. I, okay, here's my, here's my Harvey take. And I've been saving this all week. I haven't done much. Uh, anywhere really talking about Matt Harvey, which is kind of surprising. Your, this your is also, entire take was it's a new day. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, this is also what happens when the news breaks while I'm in church. And honestly, I thought for a second, do I need to start going to church more often? Like, <laughs> does this happen when you go to church? This Jewish thing's not working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, have the Mets won a world series while I've been in temple? No, but good things seem to happen while I'm in church. Interesting. Uh, here, here's the thing. Matt Harvey was given every opportunity to resurrect his career with the New York Mets. I don't think the Mets held anything. They, they put every option on the table for him. They wanted to send him to the minors. This is, a, this is something that's worked for pitchers that have been much better than Matt Harvey in their careers. Cliff Lee and Roy Holiday are the two that come to mind. But even if you want to think in Met terms, they did it with Bobby Jones in the 90s, and he came back a much better pitcher. He was still very average but he went from very bad to very average, and that is a much better pitcher. It's, it's something that works. You go to the minors. You start figuring stuff out a little bit. You don't. It's hard to figure it out in the major leagues because you have to face major league hitters. And even your worst major league hitter is still better than mostly everyone you're facing in the minor leagues. And Matt Harvey didn't want to do it. I don't, what are the Mets to do? The Mets could not pitch Matt Harvey in major league baseball games anymore. No, they they could not, and it was he looked truly awful, and he didn't want terrible. To, I mean, what was the quote where uh, it was he was in San Diego and they were surprised about him partying the night before? Yeah, and there were quotes that came out today that 
Like no one on the team knew him because he didn't want to hang out with anyone. He just sounded – Matt Harvey was concerned about Matt Harvey. He was never really concerned about the Mets. And I think Met fans started to sour on Harvey in 2015 when the innings limit stuff came up. And it was Harvey saying, you know, maybe I'm not going to pitch in the playoffs because I have this hard innings limit. I don't want to go over it. Um, the, the cracks started to show in the armor then. I, I've i been on record saying the only thing I would have done differently about his appearance in Game 5 of the World Series is I pull him after the walk. I don't even give him the opportunity to face Eric Hosmer. Um, but I, that's not even Harvey's fault. That's Terry Collins being a, a shit manager. Um Matt Harvey, I, I, I take a little umbrage with people being like, oh, this is, this is such a sad story. We should feel bad for Matt Harvey. Should we? I think Matt Harvey has done just about everything he wants to do with his career. Matt Harvey is the kind of pitcher he is because he's put in as much work as he wants to. He parties. He makes millions of dollars. He has fun. He does basically whatever he wants to do. And for a long time, the Mets enabled that. They let him do whatever he wanted to do. I don't feel bad for Matt Harvey because Matt Harvey hasn't provided me a reason to feel bad for him. I, I don't feel like it, there are some baseball players who if like, like Corey Seager, I feel bad for Corey. I legitimately Seager. feel bad for Corey Seager. Very bad. I, I, feel, I feel bad for um, when things happen to Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. I feel bad because that's a generational pitcher. I don't care how much money he's making. I don't want Clayton Kershaw to be remembered for a bad postseason start. Like there, there are millionaires I feel bad for that play professional sports. Matt Harvey's not one of them. No. I think Matt Harvey could have been better if Matt Harvey wanted to be better. But I think Matt Harvey was very, very content with just being Matt Harvey. I think he was content. When he came into the game, he was obviously electric, a dominant picture, picture, pitcher. And it, it was obvious how talented he was. And he thought he could continue to ride that talent going forward when that wasn't yeah. the case. I don't think Matt Harvey had to ever work a day in his life to become Matt Harvey. I think some people are just blessed. And Matt Harvey is one of the special few that was blessed with talent. And then when adversity came in, I don't think Matt Harvey knew how to work. And I think that's shown because he hasn't been a good pitcher for two plus years. That, that, that He was bad before thoracic outlet syndrome shut him down in 2016. He was never good last year. And he had one decent start this year before he became another train wreck. And I think his value is being shown. I don't see a single team giving up anything of value for Matt Harvey in the next week. Someone will pick up Matt Harvey when he's a free agent. That's it. Someone will pick up Matt Harvey and pay him the league minimum because at that point, why not? And every team always needs pitching. But I don't think a single Met fan should expect that Matt Harvey is going to get you back. Do you want to read our favorite sentence? Do you still have it up? (laughs) I don't have it up, but I've memorized it. Okay. Um, So on MLB Trade Rumors, they were talking about teams that were interested in him, and um, they were talking about the Giants, and they had the sentence of, the Giants have been using Derek Holland in their fifth rotation spot, who has consistently struggled this year, but team officials are not convinced Matt Harvey is better. And it was – that's Shakespearean, if you ask me. That's that, high art. That's truly high art. Now, so long, Matt Harvey. You will not be missed, unfortunately. You will not be the next Yankee great you were promised nope. to be. Nope. You will probably not even be in baseball in two to three years. 
Do you think there's zero chance someone gives him a multi-year contract this offseason? Zero right? chance. He will get a one-year, $4 million contract for some reason. For some reason. I, I'm trying to think of who actually... I, here's the, what the Padres exist. If he's, if he's, I know, but even the Padres don't sound the, the teams interested right now are the Rangers because they have Dan Worth and the Giants because everyone's hurt, the Mariners because everyone's bad. And he, when the Orioles are like, nah, I think we're good, that's when you know you've fallen. When, when way the too Orioles far. are like, we're good, that's when it's bad. Yeah, that's, that's when it's real bad. When the Orioles think they have enough pitching without you and there's no point in bringing you in, that's a new kind of rock bottom. Speaking of the AL East, yeah, the Yankees are pretty good, huh? <laughs> Yankees are about as good. If you this... took the Mets first half of the season t- with the Yankees this half of the season. Very good team. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I, the Yankees I mean, have beaten they, – they took three out, of, uh, three out of four against the Houston Astros and what was the bad. ALCS. And, yeah. and, and the, the craziest part about this team, Greg, the comebacks, the resilience – and like the, they just continue to the people that are performing that shouldn't be performing at this level yet, Anduar, which I always fuck up his name, Glaber Torres, like just Glaber Torres has hit two clutch game winning hits already. The kids have been the, they have they've lost one game since Glaber Torres has been called up. That yeah, he's is been all right. fucking awesome. So, I feel like we had this exact conversation when the year started about the Mets, we like did. this exact conversation. We did, and the Yankees are now officially one game behind the Red Sox as we're recording. Here's the crazy thing that I would I do want to point out: the Yankees are 15 and one in their last 16 games, and they're one game behind the Red and Sox. And they're still behind the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, they've won 15 of 16 games, Ryan, and they have not caught the Red Sox. Yeah, you ready for a real summer race? Because that's what this is going to be. But is it though? Well, I mean, it is now because I think no team wants to play in the wild card game. No, like it's it died. Teams die in wild card games that shouldn't. So if you're the Yankees and the Yankees could win. 110 games this year and still be in the wild card. That's fucking mind blowing. We're going to talk a lot more baseball coming up this, uh, this season because it's the off season. That's what we do. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. We wanted to talk about Matt Harvey. I was going to talk about Michael Gafford, but then he hit home run. So never mind. Um, yeah, he, I, Michael Gafford is just a guy coming off a serious shoulder injury. who's struggling to start a season. Totally I'm not true. really worried about him long-term. We'll talk I'm worried about, about a lot of things about this Mets team long-term, namely 60% of their starting rotation. But, uh, no, Michael Conforto is not high on my list of worries. We'll talk more things baseball next week. Everyone, if you want to tune in to uh, – tune in. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Blue Shirts Break. Uh, I have some other stuff coming out this week. And uh, anything you want to plug, Greg? Uh, I feel like I had something. I'm doing another podcast. I talk about Overwatch League. There you go. You sure, you sure do. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep bugging people about personalized podcasts. We might not – I might need a full week to recover from this wedding, so okay. we might not do one this week, All but right. uh, we should probably do another one next week. We'll probably do one. Um, I'm gonna, I, I probably already plugged the my MYXL podcast at the beginning of the podcast. There you go. All right. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go over to Insulac MYXL, uh, which is super nerdy shit. No one listens, so that's totally fine. All right. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.